It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. The commercials sucked. I think we can all agree on that. It was unbelievable. They were either obscure, incomprehensible, bland, boring, uh, hard to figure out what was being advertised, with a couple of exceptions. It's the worst slate of commercials I've seen since commercials became a thing. Obviously, they're very expensive at the Super Bowl. And looking on X, I saw a lot of other people who had that same view. But story number one. The game, that was the best Super Bowl of all time. Unbelievably dramatic with highs and lows. Now, I got to be honest, first of all, the first half was almost unwatchable. I mean, neither the Kansas City Chiefs nor the San Francisco 49ers could get uncorked. The 49ers were doing better, managed to score a field goal and a touchdown, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense was essentially held scoreless until they kicked the field goal in the final second. So then it was a 10-3. And it just, you know, wasn't fun to watch, regardless of which team you were rooting for. And I was thinking, I mean, here's this, everything. Patrick Mahomes being talked about as the next Tom Brady. He's had an incredible record. And this... The whole offense just seemed off, out of sync. Then came the second half, which also started with uh, an aborted drive by the Chiefs. And so there was less reason to have cutaways to Taylor Swift in the stands because not only was uh, Travis Kelsey not doing much, but the whole team wasn't doing much. But the 49ers offense, and Brock Purdy played a very good game, made a lot of difficult passes, uh, stalled the second half. I mean, for a while it looked like Kansas City was just going to get so beat up because the offensive line of San Francisco was uh, just so much better and more aggressive than the Kansas City line, and so that was pressuring Mahomes. A lot of times he didn't have time to throw or or get out of the pocket. And yet, comes down to the fourth quarter, there was a crucial missed point, a missed uh, kick on the extra point after a touchdown, which reduced the margin by which San Francisco was ahead to just three points instead of four, which would have required a Kansas City touchdown to go ahead. And the guy who made the field goal, Jake Moody for San Francisco, left Mahomes in a very difficult position. Finally, we had a situation We were tied at 19, two minutes to go. I remember looking at the clock, 1.57 when Kansas City got the ball back. There they are, they got 80 yards to the goal line. 
Mahomes just does it like he always does it. You should never bet against Patrick Mahomes. The guy is incredible. He won last year's Super Bowl. He won this year's Super Bowl again as MVP. Gets them down into the range where he might have been able to throw a touchdown. But that didn't work. And so Kansas City kicks the field goal, ties it up. If I said it was a tie earlier, I was wrong. I was trying to say that they were down a field goal. Ties it up. Game goes into overtime. I think for only the second time in Super Bowl history. So San Francisco wins the coin toss, gets the ball first, drives down to where it looked like they could score a touchdown, but instead they kicked the field goal. They were ahead 22-19. to But now the rules have changed because the old NFL rule was infuriating and stupid. Am I making myself clear? Which is, if you win the coin toss and you have a drive and you even kick a field goal or a touchdown, the game's over in overtime. The other team doesn't even get to touch the ball. It was so unfair, undemocratic, to use the language of politics. Well, they finally changed the rule. And now the opposing team is guaranteed to get one possession. But now the pressure, think about this. They got to go from their own 20 and... If four downs pass and they don't advance the ball, the game's over. And it looked for a while like the game might be over. But Patrick Mahomes just, you know, making the plays when he needed to, moving the team down the field, getting into a position where rather than just settling for a field goal that would again tie the game, they're certainly within range. A couple of running plays didn't work. And then Mahomes rolled out to his right. This was after a couple of uh, passes to Travis Kelsey, who was just playing much better, or at least Mahomes had time to find him. But on that, what might have been the last play, because then it would have been fourth down, they probably would have had to kick a field goal just to stay in it. Rolls out to the right. Hits McCall Hardman, who had gotten loose in the right corner for the touchdown, and it's over. An incredible comeback by Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. And now they have plenty of reason to show Taylor Swift. And then she comes down to the field, gives him a big smooch right on the lips, big hug. It was unbelievable. A microphone picked her up as saying, Paul McCartney was at the game. Lots of important people were at the game. Joe Biden should have done that Super Bowl interview. He should have gone to the game. I know that had to bring a lot of security and all that. He could have met Taylor Swift. And it just, it was just a fabulous game. It was so tight where either team could have broken it open. Just unbelievable. So Biden, uh, on he posted some kind of Q&A with somebody where the narrator says, were you deviously plotting to rig the season so the Chiefs would make the Super Bowl or the Chiefs just being a good football team? Biden, I'd get in trouble if I told you. Having a lot of fun. 
And RFK Jr. had a commercial. It was kind of catchy, but it was also kind of disgusting. Playing off an ad that Jack Kennedy ran in 1960 when he was running for president. I don't remember that campaign, but I've since seen the ad many times. And it's just, it, it, it was in the style of what you expect from that time period. It was just like Kennedy, 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 and they're showing, you know, people marching around and so forth. So he runs this ad in which RFK Jr., he didn't even uh, do a, a modern version of it. He just played his uncle's ad. And I'm thinking, first of all, what would John Kennedy have thought of this? And second of all, RFK Jr. isn't running as a Democrat. He tried that. He got nowhere. He left and is going as an independent. And yet he's invoking, you know, the martyred Democratic president. Well, Mark Shriver, Bobby Shriver, members of the family, went online and said, my cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's. Said, I believe it was Bobby Shriver first. She would be appalled by his deadly health care views. Respect for science, vaccines, and healthcare equity were in her DNA. And then Bobby Jr. apologized. He said that I'm so sorry if the Super Bowl advertisement caused anyone in my family pain. And he said it didn't come from his campaign. It came from his super PAC or PAC. And therefore, he couldn't stop it or review it because that would be illegal coordination. Except it's pinned to the top of his account. So he's trying to have it both ways. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. So just before the game began, Donald Trump puts up a post about Taylor Swift. I mean, why not? Everybody else is talking about her. He says there's no way she can endorse crooked Joe Biden the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country, and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money. What is he talking about? Well, Trump says that he signed the Music Modernization Act, which updated royalties and licensing to the benefit of musicians. That's all musicians. By the way, passed the House and Senate unanimously. Joe Biden didn't do anything for Taylor and never will. So he's getting in on the Taylor frenzy, which, of course, is mildly amusing. Now, just the other day was the 60th anniversary of the Beatles' appearance on Ed Sullivan, the first of several. And 
I used to watch the Ed Sullivan show with my parents on a black and white TV. Watch this was just, by then I knew who the Beatles were. I'd heard some songs on radio. It was just an absolute cultural milestone that these somewhat long-haired guys from Liverpool came out and they were, you know, became the most popular band in rock history. And 60 years later, everybody's running these retrospectives. So even if you aren't old enough to have watched that, um, everybody knows about it. Everybody's since seen the clips, how they came out with All My Loving, then did a ballad in which Paul sang because they were trying also to um, appeal to the parents and not alienate them as well as to their teenage fans and then rocked out after that. So it just, I can't, it was indelible. I, I can't not think about it. And, you know, it was like virtually the whole country was tuned in at a time when there were, you know, basically three networks. So shrewd move by Ed Sullivan and the rest is history. Story number two. So I have a column today in which I try to reflect on Joe Biden, the memory lapses, and how much this has damaged him. For one thing, as I said on Friday's podcast, you know, you have an official special counsel saying gratuitously in the view of the president, the vice president, their allies, that Joe Biden has an elderly man with a poor memory. And that prompted the president to come out and hold that disastrous news conference where he looked angry, defensive, went at it with reporters who some couple of the toughest questions I've ever seen him get because the coverage of President Biden obviously not quite like the coverage of President Trump when he was in office. Uh, and especially the uh, reference to his son, Bo, who didn't remember what year he had died. And he says, you know, he carries around the rosary on his wrist, and he thinks about it every single day. I mean, I think people are sympathetic with that answer. And then when CNN's MJ Lee asked this long question, people, American people are concerned about your age. That is your judgment, Biden said. That is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the press. So why does it have to be you? Why not another Democrat? Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president and finish the job I started. And, of course, he mixed up Mexico and Egypt in talking about al-Sisi at this very news conference. So, here's some of what people are saying now. Politico. Democrats had a forceful message for the Biden campaign. It's time to flood the zone. Top party operatives are warning Biden aides that the president cannot retreat. In response to the special counsel report, feeling concerns over his age and mental faculties. Remember, he passed up the Super Bowl interview. I bet 60 million people watched that game. Yes, the pregame doesn't get quite as many, but it's got many, many, many millions for what's usually a fairly chatty interview. And Democrats are quoted on the record here. 
major Biden donor, Dick Harputlian, says he should gear up for a uh, rematch on the debate stage. We ought to engage as much as we can. Well, I don't see that happening. Alan Patrikoff, big Democratic donor, he's going to have to come out of his shell a little bit and be more available, whether it's press conferences or traveling around and meeting with people. And you have the stuff about the inappropriate criticism. We can debate that. Oh, New York Times tells us that aides have Biden take the shorter stairs when boarding Air Force One so that he doesn't have a problem with the longer runway stairs. When it comes to news conferences, they yell loudly and quickly to end the questions or even play music, playing them off. The President of the United States. He keeps making mistakes. Look, Joe Biden was making mistakes 20 years ago, 30 years ago. He's always been, even by his own admission, a bit of a gaffe machine. So it's not entirely because he's 81, but anybody who's watched him over the last two, three years can see that he's gotten worse, more halting. You know, he his voice has gotten kind of thinner. His hair is thinning. He walks like an elderly man. Donald Trump, of course, 77, but he doesn't, he projects vigor in a way that Biden simply does not. It doesn't mean Biden doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't mean Biden hasn't accomplished a lot. Here's James Carville. So you were behind in a re-election campaign. You've got access to 60 million people or something and you turn it down. So the question is, what can you do? Well, you're pretty limited. Now, um, there were texts back and forth among Democrats saying, when is Gavin getting in? Gavin Newsom. When is, how about Whitmer, Gretchen Whitmer, or Shapiro, Josh Shapiro, governor of Pennsylvania. Three governors who certainly would be younger challengers to Donald Trump. Here's Andrew Sullivan. Neither you know or nor I know how much dementia is affecting an 81-year-old. There are times when Biden seems remarkably lucid for a man his age. My best guess is that it's patchy. He has good days and bad days. But this much we know. Even if we judge him able to do the job now, what about three or four years' time? Many of us have parents, and everybody's got you know personal example, which is why I think this issue is so relatable and so uh, potentially damaging to President Biden. Many of us have parents who were fine in their 80s until suddenly they weren't. And in the case of my mother, the decline was swift. That's why a poll last year found 77% saying Biden's too old to be effective for four more years. 69% of Dems felt that way. When you add this to his refusal to replace Kamala Harris and reassure us that someone faintly capable of doing the job could take over if and when he crashes, you have a classic Ruth Bader Ginsburg problem, RBG's belief in her own superpowers led to the end of Roe because she stayed on too long and wasn't replaced with somebody who was not near the end of her life. You can say the same about Hillary Clinton. She had her chance to win the presidency in 2008, failed, and should have been content to serve in Obama's cabinet. But hell no, she wouldn't go. And we get to a whole series of New York Times columns. Ross Douthat. Joe Biden should not be running for re-election. And all these columnists don't like Donald Trump. Some despise Donald Trump. 
So they had been inclined to support Biden, but now they're sort of jumping ship. That much was obvious well before the special prosecutor's comments on the president's memory lapses. What's less obvious is how Biden should get out of it. Note that I didn't say Biden should not be president. Uh, Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that Biden senses this, but feels trapped by his own terrible vice presidential choice. If he drops out and anoints Kamala Harris, she's even more likely to lose to Donald Trump. But Douthat says, if he drops out and doesn't endorse his own number two, he'd be opening himself to a narrative of identitarian betrayal. Aging white president Knife's first woman of color, Veep, setting up his party for months of bloodletting and betrayal. Um, That would not mean dropping out today or tomorrow. While the primaries are going on, Biden will continue to accumulate delegates. And in August, at the convention, he would shock the world by announcing his withdrawal from the race, decline to issue any endorsement, and invite the delegates to choose his replacement. That would be better if it ended up being Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer, or Kamala Harris in the mix than a long primary battle. Also seems like a bit of a gimmick in the sense that all the people who voted for Joe Biden, I think, would not be thrilled. And here is Brett Stevens, another moderate conservative columnist at the Times, writing today, and also you know, thinks Trump is a danger to the country. The Biden team seems to think his numbers will improve as more Americans notice that inflation is behind them, crime is down, jobs are abundant. Republicans refuse to do anything about the border. Trump is as awful as ever. The president deserves another term to finish the job, as he likes to say. But now, millions of Americans fear that the job might finish him. If Biden thought he was going to help himself with his performance at that presser, angling insisting my memory is fine, and then mistaking Egypt's president for Mexico's, he's mistaken. Any one of his gaffes is forgivable, even amusing, but the accumulation of them looks like a medical pattern. Tens of millions of Americans have direct experience watching a close relative slide into dementia. Meanwhile, because I don't want to skip over this, Donald Trump over the weekend was talking about how Nikki Haley had once promised him she wouldn't run against him. And of course, she's the last woman standing, she likes to say. And Trump says that her husband knows about those promises. And he says, where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. I don't know why he would say this because, as Biden posted on Twitter... The answer is that Major Haley is abroad, serving his country right now. Now, Trump has to know that Nikki Haley's husband was called up as a member of the reserves, I guess, for a year-long deployment in Africa. And so why would you go after her husband as if he's hanging back somehow and not fully supporting his wife when he's in the military. So Biden goes on to say, we know Trump 
thinks our troops are suckers, but this guy wouldn't know service to this country if it slapped him in the face. I don't know. I think that's a misstep. Leave her husband alone. But maybe a lot of people don't know the true situation and they're cheering this on. All right, New York Times editorial. Combination of Biden's age and his absence from the public stage has eroded the public's confidence. He needs to do more to show the public he's fully capable of holding office till age 86. And Maureen Dowd in the Times starts with this uh, anecdote about her father, who I knew, you know, I've known Maureen since we both worked at the Washington Star, an afternoon newspaper for those of you who are not familiar. They don't exist anymore. I, I knew her father was a police officer. I didn't know he once guarded FDR and as a detective and, you know, would not reveal to anyone that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was in a wheelchair. You couldn't get away with that today, needless to say. Biden has to acknowledge to himself that his moments of faltering will increase over the next five years and are a big weakness And how did he come off at that news conference? He came off as a crotchety grandpa, exactly the opposite of what he was trying to project. Meanwhile, uh, according to Politico, Biden and his aides, or Biden has told aides and outside advisors that Merrick Garland did not do enough to rein in the special counsel report. They're frustrated with Garland. They think he should have moved more quickly, that if he had brought criminal proceedings against Trump earlier, then then there wouldn't be this great worry that, well, no, none of the cases is going to get done before Election Day. But this business about Garland editing the report, horrible idea when you have an AG who presents himself as a fair-minded arbiter because it would have leaked in about four and a half seconds. And then the story would have been Biden Justice Department censors special counsel who'd been promised independence. No, take the hit. You can't have the attorney general slapping down Robert Hur. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Number three, in the Fulton County, Georgia case, the Trump co-defendant who first raised the issue about Fonnie Willis being in a romantic relationship with the outside lawyer that she hired as the lead prosecutor. He says in a motion, this is attorney for Mike Roman, that she is lying about the timing of events. Fonnie Willis says she didn't begin a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade until after he was named to the job. I always assume there's a little fudging there. But now, uh, this co-defendant says that Wade's former business associate, friend, and one-time lawyer will refute claims that Willis, Fonnie Willis, and Nathan Wade made in a court filing last week. They admitted to a personal relationship, but said it began after his appointment. This other guy, this potential witness, has personal knowledge that the romantic relationship between Wade and Willis began prior to Willis being sworn in as the DA in January 2021. 
In other words, it's been going on for years. Well, we'll see what they come up with. Story number four. I talked about this on Media Buzz yesterday. And I forgot to mention, you know, we tackled all of these subjects. The Supreme Court arguments on Donald Trump and Colorado's attempt to kick him off the ballot. The failed uh, impeachment attempt against Alejandro Mayorkas. The collapse of the border bill. And of course... Biden's angry press conference and the whole age issue. All those segments are online if you didn't get a chance to see the show. Now, I wrote this headline, a little cheeky, Instagram hates politics. So, as reported by Variety, Instagram, owned by Meta, and its sister company Threads, that's the Meta's uh, Twitter copycat, And soon, Facebook itself is not going to recommend politics. Here's Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram. We want Instagram and threads to be a great experience for everyone. If you decide to follow accounts that post political content, we don't want to get between you and their posts. But we also don't want to proactively recommend political content from accounts you don't follow. So for all those people who are basically, let's just say on Instagram to post pictures or videos, follow their friends, maybe they're into fashion, maybe they're into food, maybe they're into other stuff. If they don't follow political accounts, they're not going to get any recommended politics. And I get it. Apparently it's not considered hip or cool or it's not, you know, moving the numbers. Facebook is already totally de-emphasized political content, even when you do follow a lot of people into politics. And that's really hurt the traffic of a lot of um, major news organizations, virtually all of them, websites, you name it. Mark Zuckerberg has decided that, you know, people should be interacting socially or putting on his VR headset and not worrying about politics. In an election year, I, I... I don't agree that a lot of people don't care about politics. I think a lot of people are burned out on politics. I think a lot of people are not enthusiastic about a Biden-Trump rematch. I mean, you can go on and on. But an election that really is going to decide the future uh, direction of this country? Hmm. So if you have an account that deals, at least in part, with politics, you can check your status on the app to see if your posts are eligible to be recommended. If Instagram has blocked an account's post, pro users may edit or remove recent posts to retain eligibility. So it'd be a lot of gaming of the system, I get it. Story number five, and circling back to the former and possibly next president, Donald Trump, over the weekend, basically said... I mean, this is the lead of the Washington Post. Um, he would encourage Russia to attack U.S. allies if they failed to spend enough on their defense pact. Sending tremors across Washington and Europe. Here's Trump from a South Carolina rally. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay. You're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. 
No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them, Vladimir Putin's Russia, to do whatever the hell they want. And the crowd applauded. Biden administration called this appalling and unhinged. This is all about NATO. Trump used to rail about against NATO, not carrying its fair share of defense, including uh, as compared to the United States. He did get some of those countries to increase their contribution. Uh, AIDS didn't remember him saying this to another head of state. So it was 25 seconds, but it really has reverberated around the world, especially with a former president who, you know, is pretty open about the friendly relationship he had with Vladimir Putin. So... Trump also said he would effectively end USA to countries ab- abroad. Economic development assistance, military aid to foreign countries would be replaced with a program of loans that would have to be repaid, Trump said on Truth Social. We should never give money anymore without the hope of a payback or without strings attached. Any loans would have to be immediately repaid if the recipient ever turns against us or strikes it rich sometime in the future. The uh, Foreign Affairs Committee chairman in Estonia said, unfortunately, Trump does not surprise. The current presidential campaign only confirms he has not changed his reckless attitude toward allies. Uh, Germany also very upset. Trump campaign official dismissed the backlash uh, from critics that he called Democrat and media pearl clutchers. Well, there may be a lot of pro-clutchers in the media, but we're hearing here from high-ranking officials in NATO countries. Remember, there's a, a treaty that attack on any NATO country should be considered an attack on all, and they should all come to the defense. Um, meanwhile, Israeli forces, special forces, Early today, raided a building in this Rafa in southern Gaza, where there's like a million refugees, and freed two hostages held by Hamas. Uh, Hamas claims that dozens of Palestinians were killed in the raid. Netanyahu says this is going to be the last big battle with the goal of eliminating Hamas battalions in that populous area. And, and look, who's to blame for the, for the casualties? Would it possibly be Hamas for holding hostages? And remember, these are civilian hostages. These are not just prisoners of war. That itself is an outrage. Is an outrage. And so, if they hold them in an area where there are a million Palestinians and the Israelis go in to free them and do successfully free two of them, Who's to blame for that? Senate, meanwhile, in a rare session yesterday, uh, pushed forward a $95 billion emergency aid bill for Ukraine and Israel, 67 to 27. So if that were to hold, they would have enough to break filibuster. And this is without provisions on the border, although those could be added. 
And here's Mitch McConnell. It's no exaggeration to say the eyes of the world are on the United States Senate. Chuck Schumer says, we'll keep working till we get it done. I don't know. It's so dicey. Uh, going back to Trump's remarks on NATO, it's worth noting that during his presidency, he contemplated pulling American troops out of South Korea, but was talked out of it, and of course, later went to meet Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Trump would probably cut off military aid to Ukraine as the party, today's Republican Party, the Trump Party, many in opposition, but not all, as you hear from Mitch McConnell. Um, And he has offered no support for more aid to Israel in the war with Hamas. You know, Donald Trump's view of Ukraine is Russia has a historical claim to that territory, at least in the eastern part of the country. And it's a very fraught situation. I'd rather be talking about the Super Bowl. A much happier story. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball with two minutes left. You strap in because... Not that he does it every time, and he has lost the Super Bowl as well, but he's going to go down fighting. Uh, by the way, I hope you had a good weekend. I usually say that at the top, but I was so sports-crazed. And again, Media Buzz segments online. If you didn't see the show, I hope you did. And I will come back here tomorrow with more Buzz Meter. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts and via Apple Podcasts, and Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast, featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.